0: Outside on the track, yeah. Ha ha ha. He's charming, up.
1: Yeah. Take it out of the bank, go put it up. How's it going today, guys? Once again, back here in the studio, live, another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Today is May 23rd. It's a Wednesday, and we're coming off the big Rockets win. Got Kobe back here in the studio with me. Say what's up to the people.
0: So what's going on, guys? A little disappointed after that Warriors loss last night, but we got some exciting stuff coming at you, so buckle down. Oh yeah, let's get right to it. So, first off, I gotta say everyone
1: counted Harden and Paul out. They said they were done, said they couldn't win last night, but what did I tell y'all? They could get it done, and they would get it done, and that's exactly what they did this it was a big game last night it was the first a lot of firsts for the first time in the Warriors KD era it was their first home playoff loss with Kevin Durant on the team it was and their first time losing two games in a series so I mean that's huge right there the Rockets have already accomplished something no other team has been able to with this stacked up Warriors lineup in the playoffs um, it was kind of a tale of two halves for the Rockets you had James Harden have that 24 points in the first half and explode in the second quarter he kind of got him on track I feel like that Eric Gordon dunk that he had was the um, kind of the spark they needed. And then Harden got going. But in the second half, Chris Paul took over the game. Harden ended up with 30, Paul at 27. And I said that I felt like Harden and Paul needed to have Harden and Paul type like special games for them. And I feel like, I mean, obviously 30 and 27 is not a special game. But I mean, that's what you need out of your two big scores, what they got. Um Another thing that stood out for me on the box score was PJ Tucker with his 16 rebounds. I just felt like that PJ Tucker and Ariza are those they're they're tough players. They play hard, they play strong, they do all the dirty work, and that's what they did last night. I mean, PJ Tucker is probably the one to me is one of the most underrated role players in the NBA with the dirty work he does. Him and Ariza just playing hard defense. You saw him getting after KD that whole fourth quarter and trying to frustrate him a little bit. I mean Durant's still at 27, but for a guy like KD, you can't really stop him. You can just try to frustrate him as much as you can. But the biggest part of the game was the fact that Houston was able to hold them to uh, 12 points in the fourth quarter. That's crazy. That's the least that tied the least amount of points Golden State's a franchise ever scored in the fourth quarter. And I mean, the Rockets just got after it. They went in the quarter down 10 points after Steph Curry had that uh, 12 point or the 14 point explosion and hit all those threes in a row in the third quarter. And that's when they cut the lead down and did what they had to do.
0: Yeah, if you're a Warriors fan, you got to be a little disappointed after seeing this game. I mean it was a little worrisome after the first half the warriors were down by 7 points and then you saw that explosion like you said from curry having 14 in the third and it kind of looked like the warriors were going to pull away in the fourth but they just couldn't get anything going and you got to give the rockets credit like you said they were just they were doing all the small things like you said um pj tucker having 16 boards i mean that's unbelievable from him uh, Paul and Harden, you know, they combined for 50, 57 points. But, you know, just them doing all the small things, you know, playing good defense, giving after the ball. Eric or, uh, Gordon really just, you know, he he hit some big time shots in that fourth quarter to some threes. And oh, yeah. it, was, it was good to see that from the Rockets. But I was a little disappointed in the Warriors. Um, KD had 27, but it, it wasn't the same Kevin Durant. T- type performance that we're used to. He was nine to 24. He just looked a little more lackadaisical. I don't know. The words all kind of, all, to me, looked a little lackadaisical. And yeah, It was just, go ahead.
1: Yeah, no, I didn't like seeing Kevin Durant pass up that shot at the mm-hmm. end of the game. I mean, I felt like, like I was telling you every text, I felt like that Durant had to take the shot for mm-hmm. them there. I feel like Curry, there's actually a stat from last night's game about Steph Curry. Steph Curry, when he was on the floor, the Warriors shot 46.2% from the field. Without him, they were shooting 26% from the field. They were shooting like 13% from, from three. So, I mean, obviously, we, we've said last podcast that he's more important in the things that he does. Mm-hmm. for spacing and stuff, but it, that to me stands out so much because Steph Curry didn't score in the last four minutes of the game, and I feel like he's scared of the big moment. We saw him try to step up in that game seven where they lost to Cleveland in the finals, and he hit the other side of the backboard on that three. Like We saw him the same thing last night, try to bait Harden to that foul and chuck up the air ball, so I feel like St- Kevin Durant was the only option on that possession. And it just didn't go well for him.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a big thing for sure. Um, like you said, Steph, it seems over the last couple of years when we've seen in the playoffs. He looks he's a little scared of the big moment um he didn't score in the last four minutes of the fourth quarter, um, and you know it looked like it looked like nobody really wanted to score the ball. Clay only had ten points. I mean, if you're Kevin Durant, you come down with fourteen seconds left, you got to take that shot. You can't pass it up. Um, and honestly, I would have liked to see Kerr call the timeout there once it started getting jumbled. I know what he was trying to do is you know let him play because he's got three all stars, but it just it was it was just a bad effort from the Warriors all in all. Um, they had sixteen turnovers, which was a high. Highly unlike them, uh, 14 assists, which was their uh, season low, and they had 12 points in the fourth, like you said. And honestly, I didn't like KD what he was doing. Uh, post, he should have been posting up on smaller defenders mm-hmm. instead of you know taking jump shots. He and he had Chris Paul on his back a lot of the times when he had his points, but he could have easily gone down low and scored. And it just didn't look. Um, you know, good for the Warriors and now we have a, a good series on our hands. The Warriors could have took that game last night. I would have said the Warriors in six, but now I'm a little concerned to what's gonna happen here in the next couple games. Yeah, no, I'm still sticking with my prediction of Rockets in seven. Um, another thing you touched on too was Steve Kerr not
1: calling the timeout. I like how Steve Kerr said whenever we get the ball for a rebound like that, I always want to push it. And mm-hmm. you know, Steve Kerr's a good guy. At, yeah. like he even said that he was trying to that him and Draymond both tried to call timeout with the with the referees didn't see it, but he kinda owned up to it. He was like, I mean I can't blame him. There's- four mm-hmm. seconds left they're not, that's the last thing they're paying attention to is me or Draymond trying to call timeout. So I definitely love, I mean, I'm not obviously not a Warriors fan, but I love how Steve Kerr handles things. And I think he's one of the most underrated coaches. Everyone automatically assumes that, oh, he doesn't do anything just because mm-hmm. he inherited this team. But this is a team that Mark Jackson can get higher than fourth in the West. And Steve Kerr changed, changed, turned into a team that completely changed basketball with how they shoot the reason and stuff. But from the Rockets' standpoint, with Mike D'Antoni, the way he called his defense last night, like you said, Golden State's a team who prides themselves off uh, moving the ball. They said they like to pass the ball 300 times a game and mm-hmm. get over 20 assists. They only had 14 assists last night. So Houston played excellent defense, and Houston kind of stuck to what they did. They only had 12 assists, and they barely even passed the ball around at all, and they just stuck with their ISO basketball and their three and three points and rebounds, and it worked out for them. So I love how Houston stuck with their game plan and showed their game plan and could Work. I feel like that Houston has all the momentum going back home, and I think they will defend home court. Obviously, to say they can steal two in Golden State's gonna be tough. Like I don't stealing two in Golden State's gonna be hard. I know they'll show up to play, but like you said earlier, Eric Gordon had some big shots, and I feel like Eric Gordon was the X Factor player mm-hmm. last night. In the fourth quarter, he was hitting shots, and in the third in the first quarter, when he had that huge dunk, I feel like he helped Houston keep a lot of momentum. He was four for 14 shooting, but I feel like those four shots when he hit them was the biggest moments that he, they needed needed the shots from him And he stepped up to it Um, I mean the Rockets defense Was just amazing A lot of people say Mike D'Antoni Take the D out of his name And it's just Antoni Because they play no defense But he has a defensive formula And it worked well For Houston last night
0: Yeah for sure Um the Rockets were flying everywhere. 16 turnovers, like I said. Game five in Houston tomorrow night. I I do think it's going to be a close game, and I think the Warriors are going to bounce back and get a, a upset on the road, kind of like the Rockets did. I think they they know that they can play better, and I think that we're going to see a lot more ball movement from them. You know, they kind of got outside of their brand of basketball in this last game last night. Um, just 12 or 14 assists is just not like them. And Clay with ten points, you know, he looked like he kind of came up limping in the second quarter. I guess that was yeah what when Capella stepped yeah, on when his leg. He got stepped on. I don't know if he was a hundred percent healthy. I don't think you know that really was a factor or anything. But you know, we'll see how he does tomorrow. And you know, not having Iguodala that yeah. that was a big thing for the Warriors too because that kind of just messes up the rhythm of the game. You know, instead of having Iguodala not starting, you know, you have Looney out there who you know had four fouls in the second quarter and you know he wasn't much of a factor so I think you know if they can get Iguodala back and get some momentum going you know they're they're not happy with how they played last night I think they're going to come back tomorrow and get a, a, a W in uh, Houston yeah no I agree with you without Iguodala on the floor I mean even if Iguodala is not guarding Harden
1: or Paul he's still an extremely long and lanky defender and hard to get by and mm-hmm. he's I mean he's part of that Hampton's five lineup so not having that lineup uh, played a big role for them that's was one of my main reasons for picking Houston last mm-hmm. night and why I felt like Houston could get it done last night. Um, another interesting stat from last night's game is Golden State actually had nine more rebounds than Houston, mm-hmm. kind of beat them what they're good at, but the three pointers and everything else. So I think Houston only hit three more threes. So, I mean, everything else pretty much the same, but going into game five, I actually like Houston to defend home court in this game. I think it'll be a close game. I think Durant will have one of those more on the, on the 30, 40 point, mm-hmm. like closer to 40 side of 30 put kind of games. I think that Iguodala will be back. I think they'll play better, but I feel like Steph Curry, once again, will get frustrated on the road as we've seen him in the past in playoff series. Like when he threw his mouthpiece after getting, mm-hmm. after getting that uh, fifth foul against the, Cavs a couple years ago. I feel like it'll be kind of one of those games where Houston frustrates him to no end, but I think Curry will definitely bounce back in Game 6. He feeds off that crowd, and we saw it last night when he hit that third three in the row and they took the roof off and he did that little jig on the sidelines. I mean, shimmy, yeah. yeah, Steph Curry feeds off that crowd, and I feel like that crowd's what gets him going now. Not saying he's not going to get going in this next game, but Houston has to frustrate him early and kind of keep him and get in his head a little bit. I feel like he's one of those players you can easily get in his head, and he shies away from the big moment, so I feel like Houston has to force... Steph Curry early to make mistakes and force him into bad situations.
0: Oh yeah, 100%. My, that's the guy I'll be watching all game five is Steph Curry, because if he doesn't come out like he has been the last two games at home, then they have no chance. I mean, on the road, he's averaging 19 points per game in the playoffs, and at home, he's averaging 30. So, I mean, if that tells you anything, you know, he does... Thrive off the big crowd and He's going to have to get things going hopefully we won't see Him you know yelling any more explicits at the camera throwing his mouthpiece (laughs) so I'm hoping you know he can bounce back And get them going and we'll see what happens Tomorrow night yeah and I know a lot of people Were shining negative
1: light on him yelling explicits But I don't have a problem with it I feel like it's playoff Basketball man you're fired up you're fired up Say what you want to do do what you want to do I mean that's His home and he was fired up about defending it And blowing Houston out in that game But no I definitely think it's going to be a good Game I feel like Houston's role players will PJ Tucker and Ariza and uh, Capella and all them Eric Gordon I feel like they'll have another good night scoring Harden and Paul won't have to do as much I feel like at home is where the role players play better they feed off the off the home crowd's energy but obviously Golden State has a little bit better of a home crowd but I think it'll be like you said a good game I just feel like Houston will defend home court but I mean game six I definitely like Golden State game seven we all know anything can happen
0: Mm -hmm. yeah that's what I'm hoping for the Warriors sake that it I don't want it to go to game 7 for them. I think they can if they can steal this one on the road at Houston and five then come back Home court and get it in six. I'm going to stick with the Warriors in six, like I said from the get go, and hopefully, you know that'll that'll be what happens. Oh yeah, for sure. But uh, speaking of pulling one out on the road, let's
1: uh, switch things over here to the Cavs and let's talk about if they can uh, pull this out on the road tonight. I right, so I mean, I'm going out on a limb here, and I'm saying this is also my pick for tonight. I'm not tweeting it out, so those of y'all listening to the podcast, you're getting the pick like this. <laughs> so I'm going uh, Cavs money line tonight. I know the Celtics are minus one. I know the Celtics. I know I've seen the stats. Celtics average. 110 points at home rather than 92 on the road but honestly I just think the Cavs can win this game if you look at how the Cavs played last game if the Celtics had any chance to win a game on the road it was that game I mean yeah LeBron had 44 points and absolutely dominated this game and basically said y'all can't guard me which is what I love seeing LeBron do but all the Celtics starters were in double figures I mean yeah Marcus Morris was the only one that shot over 50 percent but the Cavs only shot 10 percent better from them from the field but I mean shout out to them for finally shooting over 50 percent I feel like they shoot under 50 percent in every game in this playoffs but the Celtics missed a tons of easy shots like we're talking like layups, wide open threes, just like shots you don't miss and Cleveland had 19 turnovers. I mean, how do you lose a game when you have 19 turnovers? The only thing the box score that really speaks towards it is the Cavs out rebounded them by 15, 60 to 45 on the boards. Love and Thompson had uh, 23 combined so they kind of dominated them on the boards, but I just feel like when you pull it, when a team turns the ball over 19 times and they only shoot 10 percent better from you from the field, that you have to win that game. You can't miss those easy shots like that. And the Celtics just choked, honestly, on the road. Quite frankly, the Cavs did everything to let them back in that game and more. Oh,
0: for sure. Yeah, I was I was surprised. If you look at the box score, and you 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 would think that the Celtics would have won that game. You know, with the Cavs turned over 19 times. You know, but that that boy named lebron he had 44 shots 17 to 28 and he's shooting so efficiently he's not taking bad shots he's getting other players involved and my biggest thing is you know we know what lebron's gonna do tonight you know we know he's gonna have probably another 40 point game that's what i'm expecting from him but it's it's the big thing is if uh the other role players are going to get going i know at home they can you know they look like they've been doing a lot better but on the road they've been quiet brad stevens has them figured out i'm a little worried to see if you know they can get more points out of those role players they had the role players in game three or game four had 67 points which is a big help to lebron but you know can they show out on the road and help lebron I don't know if they will be able to. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. I feel like the role players absolutely have to step up for Cleveland.
1: I mean, for Boston, I feel like we'll see Marcus Smart come in there with lots of energy, be playing hard like he always does at home. But I definitely think that – This game is going to come down to LeBron, and if he wants to, if he's going to have the best game of his career or of the playoffs. And I feel like this is going to be LeBron's best game of this playoffs so far. I feel like he's going to put the team on his back tonight. Um, I definitely think, though, that he's going to need help from somebody. Corver's been very consistent, having Mm -hmm. 14 last game. I feel like Corver will. We can't have another goose egg from J.R. Smith, but if he just gets minimal production from these other guys, I feel like LeBron's going to have special enough of a performance tonight to help them. I mean, we look at Marcus Smart here on the road. He's two for eight, one for five from three with eight points, negative four plus minus. I mean, you look at Aaron Baines, he had eight points. and nothing special from him right there. I mean, he had seven rebounds, Smart had five rebounds, five assists. I mean, these guys really are like putting up half of what they do at home. So I feel like these guys are definitely going to play harder and stronger with this crowd. But I think that Cleveland has kind of been there. They had the veterans on their team who have been there in these big playoff situations. I mean, Tristan Thompson, he's been there before George Hill somewhat when he played on the Pacers although his team was always on the choking side but he's at least been there (laughs) Jeff Green's been there with some other playoff teams like when he was on the Celtics or when he was on the Thunder Uh, J.R. Smith obviously NBA champion Tristan Thompson Kevin Love LeBron all NBA champions I mean Korver's been to the finals before all those guys are gonna be the guys who are gonna step up tonight I think and play the big minutes for Cleveland I feel like that Cleveland knows this is their best chance you don't want to go to seven games anything can happen in seven games they want to try to close them out at home so I am I mean, I like Cavs and six in this series. I feel like that's what it's going to end up being. I think the Cavs will close them out tonight and tomorrow. I think the Celtics' magic run is going to run out. I feel like in basketball, it's one of those sports where you can only win so many times in a row and things can only work for you so many times. So I feel like this Celtics' hot home court advantage is going to run out on them eventually, and I think it runs out on them tonight.
0: Yeah, kind of like you said, you know, you can only win so many games at home in the postseason, and I think their luck will probably run out tonight. I think the biggest thing, like you said, is the inexperience of the Celtics players. I mean, Brown, Rogier, Tatum, Horford, Morris, those are their starters. And, I mean, all, most of those guys are 22 or younger. Yeah. And, you know, we got LeBron's squad over there who has a lot more experience. And, you know, I think we're going to see LeBron have one heck of a game tonight. I think, you know, he knows that he wants to win this series at home and bring it back to Cleveland. And I think that's what he's gonna do. Like we said from the beginning, you, me and you have both kind of been Cavs and Six guys, and I think that's what we're gonna see tonight. I was, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Cavs winning by 10, 10 points around there. And I think Horver's gonna be another big name. I think he's gonna have another great game, ten to fifteen points. He's been so I mean just disruptive on the defensive side of the ball too. Not only knocking down big shots, he's he's running down the court. You see that game four, he dove on the floor, kind of threw the ball off the Celtics players, and you know he's just he's been he's been really a big threat for the for the Cavs oh yeah and he blocked Jalen Brown twice
1: like you can't get blocked by Corver that was funny to me but I agree with you Cavs in six I mean like I've been saying this whole playoff thing I mean LeBron beat the Boston whatever you want to call them big three or if you want to consider Rondo part and give them the big four title like they kind of like to I mean LeBron ended that team's era he's the reason why they dished all those players out to the nets and kind of broke that core up so I mean if LeBron can beat them why can't he go into the garden and beat this team I feel like LeBron will do it tonight i would expect from him is somewhere in the 40s possibly even 50 along with like 10 and 8 or 10 and 10 i think it's one of those special lebron nights but i mean i'm excited to see what he's going to do this guy never
0: disappoints yeah this is where i would really like to see kyrie irving being healthy in this in the series um i think we would be i would have no idea how to predict this game if kyrie was playing i wish we could see him but that's not the case that's how it's going to be but the Cavs, you know i think they're going to take this one like you said Cabs, uh, cabs and six. Oh Yeah. All right. So let's flip over here a little bit from basketball to the NFL. Let's talk about the big
1: storylines here. Obviously, OTAs we will start it off with the Falcons for all our Atlanta fans listening in here since we're both Falcons fans too. Uh, Should the Falcons pay Julio Jones? We all know he's holding out from OTAs here because he wants a new contract. He has three years left on his contract, but a lot of people are saying no just because it kind of sets a precedent that you have to pay players still with three years left on their contract. But I feel like Julio is the only exception regardless of what other people think. In my Reason being behind that is Julio over the last couple years has been one of the most dominant, if not the most dominant receivers in the NFL. Going into last season, for total yards by NFL players, number one was over the last three years. Number one was Devonte Freeman. Number two was Julio, and number three was David Johnson. Mm-hmm. So that's elite category he's in right there with everything he's doing. Obviously, didn't have as good of a year with the new offensive coordinator with Sart coming in. I mean, yeah, it was his most unproductive year yet as a pro, besides his injury years and rookie year. But the way I I look at it is julio's the best wide receiver in the league he's the best at everything he's so talented with the ball in his hand we need him around to teach ridley this younger guy how to get it done and what to do as an nfl pro how to go about it julio's a professional he's never been a locker room problem he's all about being a team player so i say give him the five-year deal he's 29 right now that'll make him 34 so you basically add two more years onto his deal and i feel like that extension pretty much takes him through the last couple productive years of his career and then after that we don't we maybe sign him to a small contract but there's nothing big really left for him so go ahead and give him his money Mm -hmm.
0: yeah I mean he's getting 14.25 per year million per year um, which is you know I'd love to get that much but you know he is the best receiver in the league by far I've been watching this guy since he was in his days at Alabama and you know if you're going to pay Matt Ryan 30 million a year I think Julio is deserving of at least 20 to 25 I mean if we lose this guy I mean I don't even know if I'm going to be a Falcons fan anymore I'm kidding when I say that but you know he needs to be paid what he's deserved of. And, you know, I mean, Antonio Brown, he gets, what, 17 a year? 17 yeah, a 17 year? and a half. Yeah, 17 and a half in a year. And Julio, I think Julio's way better than Brown. I know Brown's a great athlete and great wide receiver, but I just love what Julio brings to this team. And, you know... He's he's been a big you know big guy on this team and you know we need to give him what he deserves. Yeah, I mean we even traded up and sacrificed a lot of future assets to
1: go mm-hmm. get Julio in the draft. So I feel like to not pay him would just be foolish. Make him happy. I mean I don't have a problem with him sitting out OTAs though. I mean Julio doesn't practice a lot as is. You got to keep him healthy. He gets banged up a lot during the season. So him sitting out OTAs to me is not that big of a deal. I feel like the Falcons and him will meet somewhere in the mm-hmm. contract and they'll figure it out and get it done because you know Julio wants to get out there on the field with the. Team. Him.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's not time to hit the panic button yet until if he skips out on mandatory minicamp. Now, that's where we'll, we'll be a little worried. But, you know, I think he's just doing this as a stunt, you know, to get to talk to the owners and, you know, get just. Get everything squared away Yeah and I think him deleting Those pictures too On his Instagram I mean
1: we all saw that I don't know if you saw The interview mm-hmm. or not Where that he was saying Like uh, like people just shouldn't Let social media define The kind of person They are and yeah. stuff So I mean I feel like This is also though Him kind of trying to Leverage a new contract Out of the Falcons Which I don't have A problem with I like it Give the man his money Pay him um, Next let's talk Obviously Brady and Gronk Holding out I feel like that them two Holding out is more so Kind of beef with how Belichick ran the team Last year mm-hmm. I know a lot of people Think that he's was kind arrogant with the way he ran the team, which I kind of agree with. Obviously, I know y'all listen to a couple of the podcasts where I argued that Brady's not the best player ever. He's just the best system player ever in Belichick's system. And I feel like that Belichick is kind of getting annoyed with everyone saying that his system or like kind of doubting his system and saying Brady was the was all that and everything. So I feel like Belichick was kind of being cocky and trying to assert his dominance and wanted the credit that he thinks he deserves. And at the same time, he kind of angered Brady. So I feel like that this relationship has been damaged. And I feel like this is more so why Brady's holding out out he's kind of saying I'm done with being the team player I want to be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL when he's making he's probably making 10 I think he's making 10 million dollars less than most of these other quarterbacks are getting these huge contracts so I think it's Brady's way of trying to leverage and also say that he hated the decision he made with Malcolm Butler and that cost him the Super Bowl and I think Gronk's kind of doing the same thing with holding out for that so I feel like Brady and Gronk are like we're boys we're holding out on this
0: yeah I think that Brady and Gronk missing out on OTAs is kind of more of a big deal than julio i mean we know that there's been beef between brady and belichick kind of like who wants who's the bigger man or whatnot but i don't know he uh it's an interesting fact here's brady missed otas before in 2008 to th- 2010 and it was the only three-year span in which he didn't make the super bowl which i found that very interesting because you know belichick he wants his team to have chemistry he wants everybody to be together and stuff and he's kind of the one pushing them away you know hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. I mean, that's crazy stat right there. We all know that Belichick kind of
1: preaches come to OTAs. All this stuff's mandatory. We need everyone here for this. But I feel like Brady's kind of gone with the Brady way of doing things like he's quit doing that. I know everyone was talking about this yesterday, how he quit doing the sports show that he was on and stuff after they talked shit about his kid. And now he's just only on uh, on his Instagrams, how he gets every, his word out to the people. But I just feel like he's kind of going against the Belichick way by skipping out on OTAs. Belichick's a big preacher getting everyone there I mean every other NFL team has their quarterback there except for the Patriots so I feel like Brady's trying to leverage something what has still not been determined yet but him and Belichick need to figure it out and patch this relationship because I mean this team has got a closing door kind of on Brady the door's closing like one to two years left for Brady can win a Super Bowl I mean the AFC's gotten way more stacked over this last year with this draft and stuff so I mean they need to figure it out and get right because if not I mean the Patriots could be missing out on the Super Bowl for the first time in a while mm-hmm. I
0: think I, yeah I think Belichick needs to let his guard down here a little bit and kind of, you know, understand where Brady's coming from because Brady, how old is he now? He's 39, 38. So he's 41. Up, he's 41? Yeah. Okay, wow. Sorry about that. But, yeah, Brady, Um, he's, he's getting up there. He's only got a couple more years left, and, you know, he's probably only going to get max one or two, maybe two more rings. So, you know, I think they need to kind of negotiate here and let him let him, you know, get what he wants a little bit before, he you know, he retires. Yeah, I feel like they shouldn't have a problem with paying him his money, but I feel like him and
1: Belichick need to sit down and have a man-to-man talk yeah. and man up about it rather than just kind of flirting around with him doing this, that, and the other They needed to figure things out there, but figuring things out as well as the Rams need to figure out what they're going to do with Aaron Donald. He's still on his rookie contract technically. He's played the four years out on that, and now he's just got his $6 million kind of fifth-year option on there, but I mean, Donald doesn't want to play for that, and I can't agree with him I mean Donald I think deserves to be paid as the highest paid uh, defensive player of all time I mm-hmm. think the way he dominates the games and puts his fingerprints on the games is crazy I remember watching him in college when he was at Pittsburgh there was in a bowl game bowl game actually against Bowling Green and he was just throwing people around they were double teaming him and triple teaming him and he was still making tackles he actually got ejected for taunting the other team twice in the first half after he had three sacks so I mean Donald's just been a beast since day one I feel like that he needs to get his money he hasn't really been paid yet so I I mean, what what did you say earlier that Sue's contract was? Sue's making the most at defensive lineman at nineteen point one million. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, Sue's making that kind of money. I feel like you got to match it. If not, give more with Donald. Now the Rams actually have him and Sue paired together. So I feel like you have the best defensive line tandem. You can't risk letting Aaron Donald miss time. Get him out there. Get him on the field. I mean, this team's a team that I think is going to go fifteen and one, or is going to. I think they're going to have the best record in the yeah. NFC. So I feel like you got to pay him. Like you can't miss out
0: on him. Yeah, you can't afford to lose this guy's defensive. play player of the year last year I think he's deserving of at least $20 million a year he has the he has the you know ability to change the game just like that get to mm-hmm. the quarterback you know make disrupt the offensive line and I think he's a big part of this Ram team team that's going to have a successful season next year so they
1: need him. Yeah, no, for sure. And I also think, like like you said, making big plays, like you know how Russell Wilson loves to run around yeah. in the backfield and run away from everybody. I remember when he was trying to do that against the Seahawks, and they got destroyed that week. Donald just yeah. grabbed him by his jersey and just tossed him. And not many guys can get to Wilson like that, so that's very impressive. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Donald's the best guy off the edge in the league, so I mean, you got to go out there and pay him and give him his money, quite simple. Well, Kobe, I appreciate you coming on once again. Um, be looking out for me and him's picks this week. Follow me on Twitter. Hot takes with TP3. I appreciate having you on again. We'll Can do it, it again tomorrow. tomorrow. Yes, sir. Appreciate being here. I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, go Rockets, baby. Big game. Go Cavs. Big games tonight. We'll see what happens. Keep on the lookout.
0: I got them house. Got a building, garage in my house, gotta watch up risk out I house. My bitch ain't sleep at my house, make her sleep at a hotel now. And when you talk, me you talking on cap and your diamonds ain't looking like taps. I was always looking for the paps, keep an army bitch my lap.